When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, and welcome back to the Tomahawk Take Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me is Alan. Greetings, all. And Fred. Howdy. And uh, guys, we've passed the trade deadline now. We're in the final two months of the season, and as we're recording this on Thursday night, like we typically do, the Braves have actually won two games in a row. They're at 500. They got a chance to get over 500 for the first time this year, going up against the Cardinals. Uh, they're in a, a pretty good spot right now, cons- all things considering the Mets fallen, fallen back. Uh, I think they're two and a half games out right now. The Braves are if they uh, win, can get to a game and a half back. So, I mean, despite everything that's happened this year, and really we've been saying it every Thursday we record the podcast, as bad as the Braves are playing, they're right there in it. And Alan, this is the closest they've been all year. It's about darn time too. <laughs> Uh, and really, this is the time that they've got to get some uh, get some hay made because the August schedule is beatable for the most part. The September schedule is going to be rough, and it, it features two West Coast road trips. So that's the one I've been look what I've been looking not forward to, but uh, uh, looking at it on the schedule and, and hoping we've got some not only first place by then, but some daylight between us and and second place. So. We, we really need to get something going there. The Phillies, uh, for their part, uh, have a little bit, uh, tougher road to hoe in August and an easy September. So, uh, it, it's kind of reversed. Uh, so if the Braves are going to get something going, they really need to do it now. The Mets, honestly, I, I think they're running out of gas. And if they have basically any other setbacks of anybody, whether it's Lindor or DeGrom or anybody else, they're, probably doomed and I, I think it's going to go over badly in new york city but uh, i have a hunch that the Mets are going to end up in third place when this is all said and done yeah i'm kind of right there with you you know i wrote the other day i think the phillies are the the biggest threat in the division mainly because of what you know you talked about yes their august is pretty rough but their september is really easy so you make a great point there this next two weeks that the braves have they really need to dominate it and try to put a little bit of cushion between them and the rest of the division. They, there is another easy stretch in the middle of September, a little 13-game stretch there. But like you said, those two West Coast trips, that's going to be rough on, on the players. So you have to see how they respond to that. But, Fred, like we, we're both talking about here, this next two-week stretch for the Braves is going to be really crucial in how this year ends up. Yeah, well, Bobby used to say you've got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Okay, you can't go out there and, and let the Cardinals sweep you or take take the series from you. You can't you can't let those sub five hundred teams beat you. Uh and and that's really what we've we've been on all year. The teams that we should have beaten haven't been beating us, and the teams we, we were supposed to fight with, we usually did pretty well against them. Uh the Mets, boy, if if Ron Darling's right, uh he said he didn't think uh, DeGrom was coming back 
Well, he didn't say it exactly like that. He said DeGrom's not coming back. Uh, but that was off the cuff. Uh, if he doesn't come back, Lindor's maybe not going to be back for another three, four weeks. They're in trouble because uh, their savior is Javier Baez, and, and he struck out five times. That, um, so I I just think that their pitching's not deep enough, and uh, without their superstar, uh, Lindor playing like Lindor, they're in trouble. Uh, the Braves, without their superstar, were hanging in there. We're staying in the fight. Um, the one thing that scares me about the Phillies is that Bryce Harper is, going, is likely to win the MVP this year because he's that good. Yeah, the, he's batting really close to his two, his MVP season again this year, and he's got players around him. And if Wheeler pitches and Harper does what he does, it's going to be a dogfight. Uh, but we've got to win in August. And we've got to keep fighting, and we'll have Darno back, and we'll have Anderson back, and we'll have Yanoa back for the September rush, and we'll be able to call up uh, Contreras and another pit player uh, to make the 28 people on the roster for September, and we should be good enough if we can just put it together. We can't can't let it come apart. The additions to the team, uh, I really think Jock Peterson's a blessing to this team. Solaire, come on, and he, he, just like he's supposed to be there, uh, and Duvall is hitting right-handed batters and nobody knows why. So, uh, I think the lineup is tough enough to do it. Once we get, get, uh, Darno back, uh, there's no reason this team can't go. It just has to hold the pitching and the bullpen together. And, and that means Chris Martin doesn't pitch after the fifth inning. I am tired of him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and another player where nobody's really even thinking about right now is, is Eddie Rosario, another trade deadline pickup. He's going to come and help this team out as well, be another big left-handed bat. So hopefully the Braves will get him, get uh, Travis Darno. Could be getting Travis Darno, Eddie Rosario, um, Ian Anderson, and Waskar uh, Noah within the next couple of weeks. So that's going to be huge, and it's really going to come after this kind of easy stretch that we're talking about when really going to need them going up against those teams out west. Got a series with the Yankees in there. So really going to need them coming back and really coming back strong. It's going to be going to be key for this team, but we talk about it all year. As bad as they've played, here we are, you know, beginning of August, and they're only two, two-and-a-half games out of first place with everything that's gone mm-hmm. on and. I do agree. I think the trade deadline additions have been very big. If anything, I think it's just given the team a shot in the arm, which is why I really wanted something to happen, you know, a month ago. But I understand it's hard to make those types of deals that early. But I just really think if you could have, if you could have just made some sort of deal, you know, in June and in the end of May, I, I think it really would have done wonders for uh, the clubhouse who just really needed a, a pick me up. But, Again, it, not, those deals can't always work out that early. A lot of teams are going to wait till the deadline when they get the best value there. But still, I, I do think these trades have been huge for the mor- morale of this team and seem to have a lot more energy to them. Speaking of the trade deadline, I, I don't want to talk about it too much because what's in the past is in the past. But I did have some interesting comments from Alex Antopoulos saying he feels he could have made one more Big move at the deadline. I mean, I thought the Braves did pretty well. Um, got four outfielders and all uh, and one reliever. I think probably could have gotten one more reliever. Maybe that's what he was talking about. But, you know, it, it, we still didn't get that 
big move. You know, there are rumors about maybe Buxton happening, uh, something like that. But, Alan, what were your, your overall thoughts now that we're a week removed from the trade deadline and how Alex did and his follow-up comments? Well, one one thing real quick uh, that you just kind of made the point on in terms of uh, morale and the clubhouse and such, each of these new guys, well, not new guys, re- returning guys from rehab that uh, you mentioned is going to continue to bolster the morale in the clubhouse every, with everyone that shows up. Uh, when Ian Anderson walks in, when Waskar uh, Yanoa walks in, when Eddie Rosario shows up for the first time, all those guys are going to continue to give a boost uh, incrementally over the next two or three weeks. And that's, that's not a bad thing at all. I, I think that's going to continue to help this, this club. And as they see fresh faces join the fray. Uh, so that, that's great to see. On Alex Anthopoulos, there were some very interesting comments I thought that, that he made. Uh, number one, that, uh, you know, when you make these trades, you, you typically have some guys that you hold in reserve in the minor leagues that your, your most held prospects or, or best prospects. But yet he mentioned that there were some players that they were after at the deadline for which he would not hold guys back for which he for which just about anybody was available that opened my eyes in a hurry because that's like okay well what kind of people are we talking about here and the answer would be uh some of these premium players that we would think that are untouchable and maybe they were in fact untouchable at this time um we've we've mentioned guys like uh brian reynolds from pittsburgh uh who has like i don't know about four years of team control still remaining. Uh, Byron Buxton, we've, we've talked about, uh, he's, uh, hurt right now and, and seems perennially hurt, but he's, uh, Ronald Acuna 2.0 if he ever gets healthy. Uh, and, and when he is healthy, uh, he, he does produce at that kind of level. So it, it may be the guys at that kind of level that he was, uh, actually going after i i've got no sense that they were that close necessarily on on any of these guys but uh the fact that he's after them uh suggests that there was something that uh, could still go on in the future he was after starling Marte. He named him uh, specifically because he wants a true center fielder a, a bona fide center fielder a guy who could hit and field uh, the position. He would have been great there, but, uh, the fact that he was a pro- uh, property of the Miami Marlins at that time, uh, made it very difficult. And in fact, he noted that Adam Duvall was probably, uh, cost, uh, that he cost him a little bit more than he expected or hoped, uh, even though the uh, price was Alex Jackson, uh, to, to get him just simply because Miami, uh, was very reluctant to deal with the Braves. Uh, understandable, but uh, it tells you the kind of caliber of player that he was after. And come this this fall and this winter, he's still going to need a center fielder. He's still going to need a true center fielder. Now, that could still be uh, Christian Pache, but right now his uh, bat still isn't coming around, so the likelihood of that is probably not high. So my suspicion is he's still going to be in pursuit of guys like that, whether it's a Reynolds, Buxton, or, or even Marte on the free agent market, possibly, although I kind of tend to doubt that. It, it, it's still uh, a position of need for the Braves and something that we need to watch for. So I'll stop right there, but uh, that was encouraging to me for, for what I see coming in the winter time. Yeah, and that's right where I wanted to go next. You hear a lot of times at the winter meetings where 
you know, team makes a deal and the, the GM says, you know, this was stuff that started back at the past trade deadline. And perhaps that's something we see this winter with Alex Antopoulos with some of these bigger trades that perhaps he was considering. Maybe that does happen. And Brad, the other thing this says to me, and feel free to comment on either one of these topics, but to me, it tells me there's nobody in this farm system that's untouchable at this point. At least that's the way I feel about it. Uh, I think right now if there was one guy who had the most upside, it'd probably be Michael Harris, but he's still just at high A right now. But we've been talking a while, years now, about when is AA going to make that big trade, give up big-time prospects in order to put this team over the top. And it still has not happened. Even all the moves he made at this trade deadline, he really didn't give up anything of value. So at some point, he's got to go out there and give up big-time prospects in order to make this team a World Series contender. Maybe we finally see that happen this winter. Yeah, I think, uh, well, he said, quite frankly, when he came in, he told people, look, the only player who's not Freddie Freeman. Okay, that was his that was his arrival uh, speech to everybody when they get there. I don't know anybody, but the only player who's not available is Freeman. Uh, and he's backed off of that some, and he did say that, there were players out there uh, that I I told these people for these players uh, just tell me who you want we can th- we can find a way uh, and the truth that what I heard him what I thought I heard him say was that they still didn't think that they wanted to make the deal uh, they you know whether it was Reynolds or or Buxton um, I I don't think that Mullins was ever on the on the table but that would be another player that that's like that there. There are some interesting possibilities this winter, uh, and I think that you know he's going to work on work on those as well. But I I want to say, look, we need to keep these guys we brought in. We need to keep Jock Henderson, uh, Jock Peterson, because Jock has become an integral part of that clubhouse. He walked in there and he made everybody feel better, uh, and doing his uh, Mr. McGump. Uh, impression in right field with his hat sideways uh, and and hitting the ball the opposite way off of left-handed pitchers and just being the big happy guy doing goofy things and he raised the spirits in the clubhouse and on the field and I think you have to keep him the opportunity cost is is seven and a half million dollars that's a one-win player um, you're going to pay him two and a half if he leaves pay the other seven and a half and keep him and you know if he he turns it down he turns it down but but at least you're not throwing away the two and a half, and even Duvall, and I'm not Duvall's biggest fan, but you're only going to pay him $4 million because you're going to give him the three anyway. So keep them both. Keep all three, of, all three of them if you can, and just say, look, let's go out the gaps because Ronnie's not coming back till the middle of the year. And, you know, it's going to be a while. I know he says he's going to be back soon, but really, guys, you know, middle of the year is really good for that, for a player like him. So we're still going to need outfielders out there. We're still going to need a true center fielder. And if you're going to go out and flip a Shea or a Waters or somebody like that to get this true center fielder, you're going to need cover in the corners, and then those guys give it to you. One of the interesting things I've been reading and listening to from my friends out on the West Coast is that it's it's possible the Dodgers would deal Bellinger. Now, I don't know why they would be that kind of stupid. But if they're going to be that kind of stupid, I'm going to buy, okay? Uh, and I think they do have an issue, but you got to have people to places to pay all these people. 
and they're if they've got Turner and Seeger and and keeping uh, and the other Turner and all these people and Betts is playing second base now. Who knew? And, and so their outfield maybe is less crowded with Betts at second base. You still got to find a place for Turner and all these guys that come back healthy. Uh, so there's a quite it's quite possible they'll move somebody. So I think it's going to be a trading winner. Um, I think he's going to bring back a starting pitcher as well, and I think it'll be a good one. I don't think he'll go halfway. It's an interesting thing. Uh, everybody knows I've not been his greatest fan in his past deadline deals, but a really good deadline deal. It put this club back on track, uh, and, and it gave him an, it, it motivated them. And he said, look, I believe if I'm into the postseason, I can win the postseason because I'm there, and this team can take any series. So when you when you look at it that way, the worst thing that can happen is they get in the postseason, they they go through a couple of series, they make a lot of money they can spend. <laughs> so you got to get in, you got to be in it to win it, and if you're in it, you can win it. And I think he did the right thing there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was I, I was on board to say, and I wouldn't be upset if they they sold um, either. But definitely the way if you're going to buy, that's the way that you do it. Um, got a lot of of quantity and quality players and didn't give didn't have to give up a ton and gave themselves a chance to to get to the postseason which like you said still means a ton just to get there as far as revenue is concerned uh, which hopefully sets them up for a big offseason already talking about next year Trent put out an article kind of predicting the 2022 roster for the Braves I wanted to just go through it real quickly and get your thoughts first of all on the infield do you see any changes as far as on the infield or you think everybody's back there talking about Freddie and now I'll go to you first Freddie Ozzy Dansby and Riley do you think no changes okay no changes there I think catcher would probably be the only position on the infield, uh, tra- uh, Trent things will bring Travis back. I don't think that I don't will be either. The case. No, Mm-mm. yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. I don't know if Contreras or Langoliers would be ready at that point, but I think they probably get maybe another stopgap there until until one of them is ready. Yeah, well, Kirk. I think Kirk Casale's a free agent. I haven't looked, but I, I, you know, if Kirk Casale's out there, he's he's quite a nice little catcher. Um, and and I I think he would, he he would do well, but I don't think they're bringing bring Darno back simply because Darno has shown us that he can't play 162 games even when it's not his fault. Yeah, I think Langilliers is going to be close, and he'll probably get a long look in spring. But I don't think that he's probably a candidate for the starting job yet. Uh, maybe by mid year or so. But uh, uh, I mean, his bat is certainly coming around at at Double A, which is a you know, pitchers league generally, and the fact that he's uh, hitting a ton. Well, I mean, he's, his batting average is not high, but his uh, his power is certainly there. So, between that and his defense, he's probably as good as any backup catcher is in the majors right now. Anyway, the question is whether they want uh, him to continue to get uh, more reps at uh, AAA and for how long. Yeah, I think when you call him up, it's got to be as the everyday catcher. Agree. Yeah. Um, and you I know, think, best, I think best. Contreras has got to come up. He's, he's either coming up or he's traded. There's no, yeah. there's no other thing else to do with Contreras. I think best case scenarios for Langoliers is you start him at AAA next year, and if he plays well enough there that maybe by midseason 
you give him give him a shot. Um, but yeah, I agree with Contreras as well. He's he's either coming up to be the backup or they're they're gonna trade him. I don't. I know he was doing bad. I can't imagine him doing worse than Kevin Smith is right now. Uh, I know a lot of pitchers like throwing to Kevin Smith, but I I can't can't watch him bat. Uh, Charlie Moore likes throwing point. to Kevin Smith. That's why he's here. <laughs> All right, moving to the the outfield real quickly. Obviously, we talked about Acuna is going to be out till at least mid season. Trent has us bringing back Adam Duvall, Jock Peterson, and he has Drew Waters in the outfield as well to start. Oh, and I'll let you go first. What do you think about the outfield construction next year? I don't think Drew Waters is there. I think Jock Peterson will be in some role, whether it's, uh, well, a role player maybe. <laughs> he, since he could play either corner, he can do center field in a pinch. He could do DH if we need to. So uh, I, I, I'm with Fred there. I think uh, his opportunity cost, I like that phrase, is a, uh, a good one for the Braves. So uh, I think he's a one that they're, they're going to target. And uh, as it turns out, they almost had him this spring anyway. So uh, I think there's certainly a uh, – uh, uh, a mutual respect there and a mutual uh, choice that uh, might might work out well for, for the Braves. Other than that, uh, we've already talked about the idea of getting a true center fielder or, or somebody like that. I think that's the direction that Alex Anthopoulos will at least try to do. And therefore, guys like Contreras or Drew Waters will probably be trade bait for such a uh, player. Uh, if, if we're looking for an impact player, and I think we have to be, then that, that's the, the way I would certainly uh, expect it to go. Yeah, what about you, Fred, in the outfield? Well, I think we, you know, we pretty well said that I, I think we ought to bring uh, Peterson and, and Duvall back just for, just because of what they've done and what they cost. They don't cost anything. You, you get both of them for the price you pay for Smiley in, in opportunity cost. So yeah, let's bring them back. The center field thing, I know that, uh, Sam and a couple of them feel that Waters is going to be ready. I'm with Alan. I think that they're looking for a, a, a proven, center fielder that they can stick out there and not worry about whether his bat's going to play, whether that's going to be somebody like Reynolds or a Buxton or, or somebody I'm not thinking of right now that can go out there and do that. That's a true center fielder, not somebody you can just stick out there. Then, uh, But I think that's going to be high on his shopping list. Uh, I would like to see him bring Solaire back too, just simply because I, I think he's a good player. And, you know, Solaire is one of the – the Cubs brought him up. I bought him, uh, and the contract they gave him said that he had to go straight on to the major league roster, and that hurt him. And he fought for years to catch that up, and they traded him to Kansas City, and the move didn't set well, and and now he started the hit, and he seems to like it here. Uh, so I I think I'd make him an offer anyway. If he doesn't take it, then well, I'm not gonna cry over it, but I would I would certainly try to bring him back. And and the DH is going to be there, and we don't know what's going to happen with the with with Ozuna and, and his deals, but I don't think. I don't think he puts on a Braves uniform again. I, I could be wrong about that. But I, I think that you're going to need need that guy who can play either corner. Uh, and, and Soler can do that for you. And the other they can rotate DH between the three of them. So I, that's sort of the way I think. And I think that they'll look for that center fielder uh, along with a, with a starter and a, a reliever. Agreed. Yep. Uh, and Trent has us bringing back Soler as well. He just had him on the, the bench. But I do like Soler. He may have been my favorite addition at the trade deadline uh first of all it's just fun to watch him hit majestic pop-ups even he hit one to left field the other night uh, that was just a beautiful thing to watch and still almost went out as high as he hit it 
So I do like Solaire. I'd be okay with bringing him back. To me, it's just kind of crazy to think how the outfield situation seems so settled coming into the year with Ozuna, Pache, and Acuna. And now we're going to go into next year, and it's going to be potentially could be a complete mess. None of we'll the see. above. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out there. I do think uh, we make a trade for at least one outfielder. Hopefully it's of the caliber of a Buxton or, or Reynolds type. And if you do that, you're most likely giving up either Pache or Waters in that deal. So that negates their opportunity uh, to, to crack the, the outfield next year. All right, one, more, really one more thing real quick. The thing that surprised me, and I just threw this out there because I was surprised, Soler isn't even 30 years old yet. It seems like he's been around forever, but of yeah. course that we know why. It's because he came up and joined the majors immediately. But, yeah, he's, he's 29 and a half at this point, so he's still in his prime. So if he's willing, yeah, by all means, let's see if we can grab him. Yeah. Love to have Solaire back. Um, all right, let's go through the rotation real quick. Trent had Max Fried, Ian Anderson, Kyle Muller, uh, Charlie Morton, and Waskari Noah as the starting five in there. Obviously, don't really know what's going to come of Soroka for next year, but you all agree with that starting five? And, Fred, I'll go to you, you first. I don't think Charlie's coming back. Uh, Charlie came back this year because he got the deal he wanted in a place he wanted, and it's not money for him. It's where he plays. He wants enough money, but he he's not money greedy. People would have given him more money to go elsewhere, and he turned it down. I just don't think Charlie comes back next year. I could be wrong. I, if he comes back, I want him, but I don't. I'm not sure he's going to do that. I, I'm going to upset a lot of people. Husker, you know, is a reliever. Uh, I, that's uh, going to be that's his future. So uh, again, uh, Freed Anderson, Mueller. I'm I'm really sure about them. Davidson, maybe. Maybe you know it gets out starts out there, but I think his long term future is bullpen, and I think I think that uh, uh, he will go out and try to grab a, another uh, a veteran starter to sit in the bunch that it just can do what Charlie did this year and sit in there sit there in the middle and say, okay, guys, you know, take a breath, I'm going to the mound, and we're, you know, well, I'm going to go six innings and we're going to be in the game. That's that's kind of guy I think he'll go for, uh, and I don't know who that would be right now because we have no idea who would be available. But uh, I I just I just don't think he's going to go out there relying on relying on uh, the, what we have without adding a veteran out there and maybe maybe two or one and a half one guy who can go either way. Yeah, and Trent points that out in the article about Morton that it's really kind of up to him and pretty much the same thing. If he wants to come back, then yes, uh, I think the Braves should want him and get him. But uh, yeah, kind of agree there. But Alan, any any thoughts on the rotation for next year? Yeah, I think Charlie's going to retire. Uh, the idea this year was that it was either Tampa Bay, Atlanta, or retirement. So the fact that it was just uh, essentially a one more year kind of a thing means he'd really have to be coaxed into it to, to come back yet again. So I, I think they're going to have to replace him with somebody, and, and Fred's got that uh, wired pretty well, I think. The the other option might be Tukey. Um as getting a role for a fifth starter. And, but yeah, I, I certainly think that the Braves are going to need some veteran guy to anchor this rotation because you, without it, you've got a lot of youngins. Uh, even though Max Fried's been around for a little while now, uh, he's, he's still, in my mind, qualifies as a youngin, really. And Anderson and, and Muller, uh, certainly are. So, if you got those guys as your two and three, and then you're looking at uh, guys like Davidson and 
two key to be four and five. That sort of screams that you need some sort of a, an extra veteran leader. Uh, rule, rule of thumb is you need at least seven, um, capable rotation guys to get five through the year. Uh, this year it seems more like eight or nine <laughs> was needed, uh, for most teams. Uh, so you can never have too many, many, uh, starting pitchers, it looks like. And I, I think they're going to have to go outside the organization to, to get, uh, somebody like that. Uh, who it might be, yeah, I have no clue right now because, uh, things are up in the air and, and really, um, there's going to be a lot of competition, kind of like there was at this trade deadline, uh, that, uh, saw a few guys move, but, uh, uh, at premium prices. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all works out. Yeah. And I noticed neither one of you mentioned Drew Smiley as a possible candidate to come back. I'm going to, I'm going to guess you're both don't think he'll come back. Yeah. You can put lipstick on a pig and it's still a pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Smiley has done good at times, but, uh, uh yeah, we'll, we'll move on from that. And I'm not even going to go through the bullpen. That's just, I, I'll, I'll ask this though. Because obviously past off season, AA did nothing in the bullpen. Fred, how many bullpen pieces do you think AA gets this off season? Well, I think he's got to get a couple. I, I, first <laughs> of all, you know, uh, we, I had a discussion the other day on, on one of the after one of the posts that uh, somebody was wanting uh, Rossell Iglesias, and I like Rossell Iglesias, but he would have been the second best closer on the market out there had they come out. And by the way, I think maybe that's one of the guys that that uh, AA was in on that the, the team, you know, because the Angels have no idea where they were going. They uh, should have moved they, him and didn't, yeah. He, yeah, he, he's like, and he's making like nearly $10 million this year, and he's going to be a free agent next year, and I had the agents and everything up. But of the free agents next year, if Kimbrell doesn't go out there, you can make a, you can make a very good case that he's the number one free agent on the market because Brad Hand getting older and he's not really good. And Mark Melanson is starting to look a little shaky, um, again, still. And so if you, if, if he's the best on the market and he says, well, <laughs> I was the best on the market and they told me that was a 15, 16 million dollar roll, somebody's going to pay him that. Mm-hmm. Kenley Jansen's out there. You can't trust him anymore. Of course, there's guys like Jimmy Garcia going to be out there and Ryan Presley, and those guys may be, may be available. But if you're talking free agent and you're talking Iglesias, you're talking another $15 million free agent, and, and he's not going to put $28 million in two men in the back of the bullpen. Uh, so if he gets Iglesias, he's got to move Smith. I don't know if he's going to do that, but I look for him to go to somebody cheaper, maybe Graveman or somebody like that who's been a back of the bullpen piece who's you know, maybe getting his first big contract or something like that. But he's, I think he's got to get two because I don't want Chris Martin anywhere near the bullpen next year. They took away his spider tack and he can't pitch. I just, I, I think AJ Minter gets traded this winter. I think that uh, they're going to look, they're going to push him down there. He's pitching really well at uh, Gwinnett the last time I looked, and they're going to point to those numbers and say, "Hey, look, he he figured it out down at Gwinnett, and uh, he's pretty good value." And uh, try to push him off and part of a deal. But I, I think he's got to get at least two bullpen pieces. Tomlin's got to go. Um, he can be a coach somewhere if they want him to coach. Um, there's just too many pieces out there that you go look at them and go, why is he in the game? And if that's the, if you say that when the guy goes to the mound, he needs to be replaced. Uh, Alan, I agree with everything Fred's saying there um, for sure. 
and especially about the part where I don't see him signing any big reliever because you're not going to have two contracts like that. I think Will Smith prevents that from happening. I think it's probably why the Braves really weren't close going in on Kimbrel either. Uh, you didn't really want to do Yay. that. Yes, he did. Tie the game two to two. Jock Peterson, right center field. Breaking news there. All right. Um, <laughs> But I do think I do think Alex has to get at least two guys. But the other point I wanted to bring up here is I think it's time to give some of these young guys a shot in the bullpen. Some of these starters that have struggled at time, uh, you know, and they keep giving them chances to be starters. You know, maybe it's time to see what they can do in the bullpen and help out there. Yeah, that's a fair question. See how uh, that can work out. Uh, you know, uh, we've already talked about is probably a number one candidate for that. Some of these other guys, uh, Kyle Wright, maybe. Uh, if nothing else, he could do the Tomlin role and, and fill in some innings, uh, when mop up duty is needed or, or just a long relief, uh, role. Uh, Sean Newcomb's already, uh, doing that kind of thing, although he's, Certainly suffering from crisis of confidence at times and, and really needs to get that figured out. Of course, I've been thinking he's a change of scenery kind of trade guy in any case. Some of these other guys that we've mentioned as, as part of the mix for starting rotation, if they don't get that job, uh, Tucker Davidson, uh, Toussaint might be, uh, uh, bullpen candidates. I mean, can you imagine, uh, Tukey coming in for a, or a one or two inning stint and uh, just messing with these guys with that curveball and, and fastball combination. Yeah, that kind of thing is, is certainly possible. I, I like that idea. Uh, and the the only gotcha here is if you get too many young guys in in the mix without uh, veteran presence, then you might have some issues. Now, Richard Rodriguez will still be there. Will Smith will still be there. Those guys will probably be the anchors of the uh, bullpen next year regardless. Luke so, will be back. Luke will probably be back, yeah. <laughs> Depends how much he, he, he wants, I guess, because he, he had a pretty good year, and, and I think his uh, arbitration number might be interesting. But, yeah, so I, I think there's reason to think that we don't have to search too far for bullpen help, but at the same time, at least one more arm would be really good. Yeah, I just, I mean, I'm seeing Matt Whistler close games the other day. Lucas Sims has been really good since he left. I just, I felt like Bryce Wilson never got a chance in the bullpen. I, it just seems like a lot of these young pitchers who, you know, had a lot of uh, ceiling as a starter but never really worked out. I don't feel like the Braves do a good job of trying them out in the bullpen, at least seeing how that goes. I know they've done it with Newcomb, who's been good at times, but uh, I'd like to see more of that happen instead of just kind of losing all value completely with some of these, these young starting prospects. He signed a bunch of, he signed a bunch of relievers. I mean, you know, when he, some of the people he signed his first two drafts, Victor Vodnik's out there. When he was signed, we signed him. He was throwing 95 easy, uh, in a junior college level. He was throwing 95 and he's got the 191 ERA at the double A now, which he was blowing people away in double A according to the reports I was reading. I didn't see him, but I watched the reports from Dennis Lynn and, and their David Lee Rook come across that he was out there blowing people away and he had an injury, I think. It took him out for a while. But you've got relievers like Vodnik and, and Dela Cruz out there who can blow a lot of gas. And if, if they can and they can continue to do it, it's, that's what Minter was meant to be. He was meant to be a reliever who was always a reliever going to be a closer. 
and he signed a half a dozen of them. I don't remember all the names now, but he he signed a half a dozen of them over his drafts. And and some of those guys should have been coming through. I know 2020 hurt them, but some of them guys should be coming through and and pushing their way into Gwinnett and and, and making themselves a target for next year. Yeah, because that's what I really think the Braves have been missing in the playoffs, especially. They've had some good relievers in Chris Martin and Mark Melanson, you know, in the past, but those aren't power pitchers. They don't play up in the postseason. And you've seen the Dodgers, what they've done with guys like, you know, May and Gratterall. They've gotten some big, powerful arms, young arms, and put them in the back of their bullpen that have made a big difference in the playoffs. And I just don't think the Braves' bullpen, as good as it's been at times over the years, has never been that that type of powerful arms coming out that's able to just blow balls by hitters like that. 10, 11, and 12. 10, 11, and 12 when we had Kimbrell and, and uh, Wagner and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, old Pembroke came out of there. Uh, from the set. game was over in the sixth inning, just like it is in Chicago this year. Yeah. <laughs> the south side, yeah. Yeah, south um, side. <laughs> Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention before we get out of here is they did release the 2022 schedule, which is always an exciting time of the year. It always seems like they just kind of spring that on you. Alan, the Braves do unfortunately start the year on the road once again. I mean, it it feels like every year they start out on the road, which is really kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's crazy uh, how many times that happens. But, I mean, I know why. It's because you take teams that aren't in dome stadiums and you put them in dome stadiums or you send them to the south where the weather's like likely to be better although in Atlanta in the winter the or in the early spring the weather's usually really nice so I don't know why they don't uh, exploit that for the, for the Braves sake too but uh, yeah they're being sent to Miami to to start the season uh, Thursday March 31st there and then they get to play six consecutive games, which is a little unusual also, on the road, uh, Miami and then the Mets. Usually when you have a, a home opener, and if it is in an open-air stadium, you're going to have an off day the next day just to, in case there's a, uh, a weather issue so that all the pomp and circumstances they uh, wrote about it can still happen. So it is unusual that uh, they get six in a row right off the, the bat. It's not terribly unusual, unfortunately, that uh, they're on the road. This will be the 14th time in the last 18 years they start on the on the road. Yeah, and the, the highlight for me is obviously Otani and Trout coming. We were supposed to get that a couple of years ago before uh, the pandemic hit and they changed up the schedule back to the AL East, and then for some reason they doubled up again on that this year, uh, I guess for the same kind of concerns. But now we're actually getting to match up with the AL West, so we're going to get Trout and Otani and the Angels here. Fred, did you pick out a weekend for the Tomahawk Take Retreat? I, I haven't, but I, I will, I'm going to make a note because they're playing in Arlington next year. And, oh, and ah. I can make I can I can make that drive. <laughs> that's that's, that's right. not a problem for me. I don't have to worry about airlines or hotels. I can make that. Well, I don't have to worry about airlines or hotels. I can make that drive and and do do all the in the series uh, at Beautiful Globe Life. Uh, and that I was thinking about going to the West Coast too because I've never been to the Angel Ballpark or the West Coast Ballpark, so I might do that. I will I will get to Atlanta next year, and and if the Angels game is at a time when I can do it, that would be the ideal for me because I'd like to see those guys at the ballpark. Uh, but I'm glad they're coming to Texas for me next year. And they're going to be, the West The West games are going to be games I can get to 
Definitely a couple of days drive if California isn't locked down at the time. Yeah. Now, who knows at that point? This COVID stuff seems to be ramping back up. Hopefully it uh, doesn't impact the rest of the regular season and postseason. But I am looking forward to that. I had tickets to the Angels game for uh, 2020 season, and obviously that got taken away from me. So hopefully we'll be able to get to go this time around. Uh, but, Fred, I'll send it back to you before we get out of here. Anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to discuss or uh, just anything else on your mind before we get out? Well, I want to go off off on a little tangent here. I J.R. Richards died, and I know a lot of people listening to this don't, don't remember J.R. Richards, but J.R. Richards was – he threw as hard as anybody throws today. Um, he had a slider that came in at, at – you know, above the belt and broke so hard they couldn't hit it. There's a video of him up on on YouTube of a game against uh, the Pirates in 1979. That was a season he struck out 330 batters. He had the Pirates, include guys like Willie Stargell, bailing out of the batters by Stargell left-handed, and and he swung like a little leader at J.R. Richard. So I think, and his his story is a little tragic. Uh, you know, he ended up living under a bridge in Houston. One of the sad things about the game, the way it goes today, is that we we don't hear about guys like J.R. Richard and Mike Scott and, and, and guys that really did what's being done today, but without all the fancy uh, videos and uh, the numbers to go with it. And when we lose players like that, uh, I know Houston put up on the, put a thing on Facebook and, I saw um, uh, the the Mets broadcast uh, talking about uh, J.R. Richard, but if if you've got 20 minutes, go look at the excerpt from the game on YouTube, uh, or watch the uh, little thing the Astros put up in 2005 about him. Uh, J.R. Richard was if he was if he was pitching today, we he'd be making 20 million a year, and uh, and everybody'd be saying you know Cy Young strikeouts. He struck out 330, uh, 300 men two two years in a row, and between 76 and 1999, he struck out 1,044 men in 1,100 innings and pitched to a 2.88 ERA, uh, and uh, had a had a huge ERA plus. So I just think we need to remember these guys because baseball is about its history, and and J.R. Richard is it was a big part of that history that a lot of folks don't remember. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, I I don't consider myself a historian by any means, but uh, it definitely was not a name I was familiar with when I saw it pop up today. So thanks for bringing that up, Fred. Definitely want to go check that out. Well, that will do it uh, for us here on the Tomahawk Take podcast. Make sure that you check out the website, tomahawktake.com, where we post daily articles on your Atlanta Braves from the great staff of writers that we have And again, appreciate your support for the website and the podcast. Please make sure that you go subscribe to the Tomahawk Take podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been the forward-looking edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast. It's a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media, Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants, and while Minute Media allows us to sign all the talent we can use, We've just chosen not to do so. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org 
slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Hillbilly Swing, which was modified to fit in the available space. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by TomOctake.com. Hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast today as we look forward to chasing down the Phillies in the coming days. So we'll see you out there for the next inning. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.